All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite show. Um, today, I got Samuel Knickerbocker with us. So welcome to the show, man. Yeah, no, thank you. And I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm pumped to have you here. Can you uh, kick us off? Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, know, know my name, Sam Knickerbocker. I run a podcast. So I'm a fellow podcaster and author. Uh, my focus when I'm uh, meeting with people is really help them uh, empower them with the financial confidence to go and create and live and build their meaningful legacy. Um, the, and the book that I just recently published is uh, called Fuel Your Legacy, The Nine Pillars to Build a Meaningful Legacy. And yeah, I just want to help people identify their legacy and, and help them live in alignment with that. Awesome. Okay. So a few questions came up. Um, first, how or how did this all begin? Like, how did you get to the point of deciding to write the book? That is a great question. I, I was in a few, well, I've always wanted to be an author. I always wanted to be a public speaker um, and, and just get out doing things like that, sharing, sharing my expertise um, went through kind of growing up poverty and, and a lot of abuse. So I went into psychology tried to figure out what was wrong with me, like probably anybody who's in psychology. That's why they're there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and ultimately, I found that the, the biggest factor when it comes down to like the major social issues, divorce, anxiety, depression, suicide, things like that, um, they, they really were a basis of lack of financial understanding. People th didn't know how to use money, and so they aren't able to deal with their problems properly. And so that's where I first got the passion for helping families uh, and why I want to help people and empower them with the financial confidence. Um, but what I realized at the same time was that my, like what I love doing is speaking. I love helping people have those aha moments and giving them an experience. And so when I went to write my book, I, I wanted to, the reason I put off writing books for a long time is because I felt like how can I convey an experience rather than um, just write some words on a page, right? Everybody can write words on a page. We all have to do it for college in some form or another, but are you really conveying an experience while you're doing that and how to do that? And so I put off writing for a long time. Uh, then I was in a conference and this, uh, person, her name is Jen Foster, but she was, she gave us like 10 ideas of how to write a book easily. I was like, okay, that's a, a good concept. There's a few different areas of, of things that made sense to me. One of which was go and just write 15, uh, 12 to 15 or, or 10 really, really long Facebook posts about, about something that you're passionate about, um, or even just talk for an hour about something and, and then go and clean it up and make it presentable and focused on, on what you actually want to be on. So those two um, principles, I was like, I could, I could probably do that. And so that's where it started. I made some, uh, did some Facebook lives, wrote a really long post along with it. And then I combined some different things to create my book while giving them the experience. So it's almost like a workbook. My first book is. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then, um, how, or, or what are the pillars? And obviously if you were to explain all of them, right, it would be, <laughs> that would probably maybe take the whole podcast, but just a little summary of, of each one and, and then how you came up with them. Yeah, sure. So um, the, how I came up with them was just really thinking about where do I, um, what's the, what, what do I really want to share with people and where do I think the foundation of 
of why to do something. So one of the major focuses of the book is really why to build a legacy and then how to do it. And so that there, there are different areas that all focus in on the, the core motivation that I believe is love. I think that if we're going to go build a legacy, there's a lot of reasons why people build legacies. And so I kind of talk about each section is really why somebody may or, or may not motivate them to, to build a legacy. But I want to take the, the conversation from motivation out of fear or anger or proving somebody right or wrong, whatever, and switch it into love, a, mo- a motivation that's or, or more inspirational rather than motivational. And so the, the core nine are do it for your haters, do it for your believers, your passions, your country, your clients, your team, your health, your family, and then your faith. And so those are the nine pillars. And everybody who's ever wanted to be successful is, is doing it for one of those nine reasons, I, I believe. Um, they're either doing it to prove their haters wrong or they're doing it because somebody believes in them. They do it just because they're passionate about it. They, military people, they have this deep sense of duty to a country. Um, do it for your clients. So it's, they, they want to just serve people. They, they built a team, so they want to be a team leader. They're doing it for their health. I, I have some people who their main motivation to be wealthy is because they ha- they're, they're, they're dying. Their health is deteriorating. And so they have no other way to protect their family other than to earn enough money because they know that they, their clock is ticking. Um, and then there's people who are just motivated by family. Nothing else motivates them, but you tell them, hey, you're going to save your family. If you do this, then they'll run through brick walls. And then there's other people who are all about faith. And if, if it connects to God or who they believe is their higher power, then they're all into it, but nothing else matters in their life. And so I tried to just hit every one of these core areas and say, ultimately, this, the same motivation or inspiration should be um, love in every category. Got it. Okay. And then did you, for the book, obviously you did some like research and stuff. Did you, can you share some like stories of people that aligned with, with one of these and like the outcome? So maybe somebody was pure for their family. And then once they realized that that was their main focus, they were able to create, I guess, more wealth or something. Is there any stories in the book? Yeah, I think that probably, I mean, in, in every section of the book, I, I highlight one person, but I think some of the, some of the bigger ones that everybody will recognize is like JFK, right? Everybody who helped get um, a man on the moon, they had a deep sense of country. JFK was the leader. He was able to mobilize a whole entire country um, to, to do something that I mean, literally the technology that they had to put a man on the moon is less than I have in my iPhone or, or in, our, in our computers. And they were able to put a man on the moon on it pure out of sheer intention and focus and, and pulling together, banding together so many different ethnicities, different focuses, politically, everything, because it was a race. They, they harnessed the, the country pride between America and the Russians, and they were able to pull together and create a, a massive legacy. And so JFK will always have the legacy of being the president who put a man on the moon. Right. Even if I mean, he ultimately was, there was a lot of other things that he did in his life. Right. But that's going to be his legacy. Mother Teresa was somebody who is, um, you, you could put her in the faith category. Nothing else mattered. She, she lived her life. She was poor Gandhi. Another one um, that all that they cared about was expressing their faith and sharing love with others. And so they built a whole movement just around that activity. Right. And so yeah. it, it's, those are a few of the, the more highlighted ones, but every section I go, 
in, I have one kind of anecdotal story about um, somebody who was able to take that, um, take their core motivation and harness and, and, and engulf, uh, um, I don't know if engulf is the right word, but enlist other people into their legacy. Got it. Okay. And then any, any insights that you have for like the process of how you got to the finished product? So all the way from the writing of the book, the editing, the publishing design, just, you know, any insights that you kind of have for, for the listeners? The, the biggest thing that I would say is just start. So one of the biggest hurdles for me um, initially was that I wanted to be perfect, right? I, I had this perfection complex. And um, as I talked to more people who have published books, most people have had that at one point in their authorship where they, they, they were unwilling to publish something that wasn't just perfect. And I have friends now still who are like, I don't want to publish my first book yet because I want my first book to be like, the best book that I ever write. And then I'll write more. I'm like, that doesn't like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, there's a progression and it's okay. If your first book isn't your best possible work, because how are you going to know it's your best possible work until you have multiple? Um, and, yeah, and so say again, no, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think perfection is, is probably the, the number one thing that holds people back, especially because what they're trying to do is like their first draft be the perfect draft. Um, which is like never happened in history. Uh, you know, so you got to be willing to just like write this draft that like is going to be probably not very good. And then the editing is is really what transforms it. But you can't even get to the editing until you just, it, it's kind of like your first draft is almost like just like a mind dump. Like you just get everything out mm -hmm. of your head and just allow it to be a, to be a mess. Um, and then from there you have something to work with. And I think a lot of people, excuse me, get halted because they're, um, because it's all up in their head and they don't allow it to be a mess on paper or on your computer. And you have to get it out of your head, which is just, it's a messy process. It's, it's like an artistic process. It's going to be a little messy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that, that would be probably my biggest, like if I had to say, Hey, somebody who's looking at writing a book right now, but they're, that what's the biggest concern, I would be pretty shocked if it wasn't some level of they want it to be perfect. And my book went through probably 12 different drafts of editing. And even after I published it um, and, and I had it all edited, the things that you don't always think about are like this book, when it's on Kindle, it's going to look different than on iBooks. They're going to look like, so then the formatting, yeah, you may have formatted it properly for like two or three, but then you start seeing it pop up in these other areas and you're like, oh crap, now I have to go reformatted or, or make sure that each variations formatted properly. Um, but before as a perfectionist, I, I would have never published it. And so I had a coach, I hired a coach who was able to help me, um, just get stuff down on paper and, and be okay with that. It's not going to be absolutely perfect the first time, you know, how many different editions are there of your favorite book? Yeah. No, yep. that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another thing just to mention. A lot of people don't know that. It's like even after you publish, you can still make edits and then you can re-upload. Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. it's like um, obviously if you're going to be doing like a big organized like book launch um, and, and, you know, like trying to hit like a major best, uh, bestseller list or something like that, um, you know, then you want to be pretty dialed in. Like you don't want to just be putting out like your first draft or anything. Um, but at the end of the day, it's I've I've very rarely heard that like and th this is even with like the top 
like traditional New York publishers. I, I've seen this in books where there's like, there's always a few mistakes. Sure. Like it's, it's hard to be a hundred percent. So, and then if you catch them, you know, you go back, edit the file, uh, reformat it a little bit, as long as it's just minor edits, um, and then uh, re-upload. And then a couple weeks later, it's, it's, it's the new files available on all the, on all the platforms. So. Yeah. So, so that, that was probably, that's probably my biggest thing that um, I had to overcome. Um, and then as far as the cover, um, like the, the presentation of it, even that was, uh, <laughs> it's just a fail. I mean, if like, in all honesty, like I, I had, I, I had, I was playing with two different titles of my book. I finally settled on one, but when I, I in between me playing with it, I had already published it to Amazon, um, like had put everything together and hadn't decided, I thought I had decided, but apparently I hadn't. And so like the first time I posted it on Amazon, um, like, uh, whatever is it, it's Amazon publishing. Then yeah. like the uh, first Kindle, set of Kindle direct publishing. Yeah. Kindle direct publishing. So what the first set of books that <laughs> were printed, literally the, the cover says one thing, the cover says fueling your legacy with an ING fueling your legacy and nine pillars to build a meaningful life. Um, and just inside the cover, like the title page of the book says fuel your legacy. So fuel your legacy, nine pillars to build a meaningful legacy. So, I mean, it's just like inside the book, it was just an edit that I didn't catch when I finally clicked publish. And so I had to go in and change everything, but it's just funny like that. Like that's okay. And before I never would have been okay with that. I would have been horrified, but having a coach kind of help you understand what you can edit and what you can't edit and things like that made it. I was like, okay, that's just funny. That's a funny story now. But, um, if I, if I had tried to do this a year and a half ago, I would have been in pieces. Yeah. And, um, so, so tell me about the podcast too, because podcasting is, is definitely trending. You know, obviously we're doing one right now. I, and I, I, I'm to the belief, you know, I think you should enjoy it, but audio just in general is, is something that I think is here to stay for a while, because especially as like people are just getting more, there's more and more opportunity out there with the internet and just everything. So like audio is one of those things where you can listen while you do other things which I think is its biggest appeal. Like for me at the gym, I listen to audio books or podcasts a lot. I'll listen to music um, as well sometimes, but really I am leaning more towards audio books and podcasts lately. So like, tell us about uh, your podcast, what's it all about? And then um, how, how you even set it up, like what platform and stuff you use. Sure. Yeah. So my platform, and that was another thing where it's just like, you, I, the biggest thing about anything in life, I would say just go get a coach who's already done it and be coachable. That, that's the, like the overarching what I would say. Because I would same thing. I was like studying out tons of different uh, podcasting platforms, Podbean, Anchor, st like all these different places. And what's going to be best, Libsyn, I mean, who knows? And ultimately, it came down to I was doing enough Facebook Lives and I had people reaching out to me saying, hey, I want to listen to your content, but I can't keep Facebook open all day. Can you please put in a podcast? So that's why I started a podcast initially um, was just because it was public demand, essentially, that I get my pod get a podcast. Uh, I chose Anchor. Ultimately, it's, it's almost like ClickFunnels easy where it's just drag and drop. It's not 
complicated at all. I've considered now that I have almost 170 episodes under my belt, switching over to a, a different platform. But frank, frankly, uh, Anchor's really easy. It publishes it to like 12 different places. Um, so so I, I use Anchor. I like it. As far as what it's about, um, another reason I started it, so kind of at the same time, was to build content for more books. And so I did three podcasts a week for a long time, uh, me talking about a specific topic and then doing a book review on Wednesday and then on Friday interviewing guests. And the focus is getting, uh, teaching people the entrepreneurial millionaire mindsets, habits, and behaviors to help them span the, the gap from being a corporate employee and, and stepping into entrepreneurship. So that's where the focus is. And I've dropped the Monday and Wednesday podcast, so I don't do those anymore. And now all I do is the Friday podcast where I'm interviewing a guest, um, higher level guests, and they're sharing their expertise and what they did, how they got started, how they transitioned, um, what tools they used, what companies they're in, like what it was exactly to help them span the financial gap. How did they say no to, how did they get over the naysayers in their, in their lives? Um, what books were they reading to help them make that transition? What is their legacy? Why is the legacy important to them? So that's really where the focus of the podcast is. Got it. Okay. And um, how many um, books are you planning to do in the future? And what's kind of like your strategy with that? Yeah. So I already have, um, so there are going to be, there's going to be two journals coming out here in the next, it, I'm, I'm shooting for the end of the year. It may be by my birthday, um, two, two of my journals. And then I'll have another book that's again, I title in, in the process. I don't know, but it'll basically be, um, 52 principles of success that I've identified over the last year. And there'll be principles, action step, and then, uh, recommended reading uh, a book that talks about that principle of success. And then along with that, there will be a book workbook. My, my main focus in writing again is still, how do I give somebody an experience? And so I'm structuring my, my literary works, you could say in, in a process or in a, in an organization that's almost forcing people or to do the works workbook part of the book, not just read it. Got it. And I actually, I like that a lot, man, because I think, and it's, it's funny. It's actually the way I kind of structured my first uh, book as well that, that I wrote it, it, I think it was a little different than you, but at the end of each chapter, there'd be actionable steps um, because you know, at the end of the day, reading is amazing. Um, right. Like I, I read all the time, but if you don't take action, at least for me, I, I seem once I take action on something and experience it, then I actually have the opportunity to fully comprehend it. Whereas I'm, if I only read it and don't take action, I definitely still get a lot out of it, but I don't think I'm getting the full experience. Yeah. Uh, so if you can give your readers like a um, kind of step-by-step -step on like what to do and kind of make them take the action steps. Um, I think at the end of the day, you're going to have happier readers as well because they're actually going to get results from your books, which if they get results from your books, then they're going to leave reviews. They're going to share it with other people. Um, so I think that's a smart way to do it. Yeah. Another idea for a book that that's not just an idea, it's going to happen, but I'm going to take one of my public speeches that I, that I give when I go out and speak and put it into a book, but, or something like that, 
Uh, but one of the, again, these are just the frustrations that I have with English. I don't know if it's different in other languages because I'm, I'm uneducated and I only barely speak English. Um, but, but one of the things that frustrates me and I get this feedback every time I write something and I give it to somebody else, like there's, there's either too many commas or there's not enough commas. And it's like, well, I want the only way that you can read the sentence that I wrote is if you read it with the exact tonation and, and excitement that I read it with. And so I, it, it kind of clogs up reading. So people don't always like reading, um, my, my first drafts because it's heavily um, you have to hear Sam's voice in your head to hear it and, and to yeah. be able to read the book. Um, and so one of the things that I'm planning on doing to overcome that is just write a text, uh, but then dynamically like using uh, either music dynamics or some, some type of dynamics dynamically uh, alongside every sentence or every uh, line in the book dynamically show how it's supposed to be read. Ah, got it. Okay. Um, so just to give people who are like myself, who want to be able to read it, how the reader intended it, the, the option to do so. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. I, I really, I hadn't thought of that. And so how many books do you think you have in you? I, I think I have a solid 10, but probably a lot more. I mean, I love, I love the idea of writing. I love writing and I love sharing experience. My life has absolutely been altered and changed by the books that I've read, um, either read personally or listened to on Audible. And so I think there's going to be a healthy amount of, of both books that I put on Audible and books that I don't put on Audible. Um, but yeah, I would say at least 10, just because I want to share those experiences and books are more transferable than me personally at this moment. Like I have my podcast um, and that's good and it gets listened to it all over the world, but a book can be passed from one person to one person to one person and just kind of duplicate an experience for more people. And what's one of the books that had the biggest impact on your life? So I would say I have three three or four that um, I read multiple times a year just because they are always grounding books. So one is by Gretchen Rubin called the four tendencies. Okay. Um, phenomenal book. It, the whole focus of the book is how uh, an individual deals with inner and outer expectation. Um, so that book coupled with the anatomy of peace um, ri- written by the Arbinger institutes uh, that really talks about how you can have a conversation with anybody and, and approach them as an individual and have a peaceful conversation, even if it's like a really intense or um, confrontational conversation or might have been, if you're approaching it properly, then you can diffuse a lot of the contention. And so I love those two books. Think and Grow Rich is always, a, I mean, it's a staple for me. Like I read it multiple times. And then the other one is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that book, again, Think and Grow Rich and, and How to Win Friends and Influence People, they're great books if you just read them, but they're, um, they're life-changing if you do the action steps. And the action steps in those books, they're, um, I mean, every page has a new action step. Every page is an invitation to do something with your life and to think about something, journal about something, identify an area of your life and change it. And that's, that. The, the application has changed my life of those two books. 
Um, and then the anatomy of peace, they're just really good parabolistic stories that really help you understand who you are as an individual and how to um, navigate the world that's going to best serve you. Got it. Okay. Well, very nice, man, dude. I, I appreciate you coming on the show. Last question I have for you um, is, you know, what's the best website for our listeners? Um, if people want to connect with you socially, what's your best um, handle, if you will? Yeah, so I am most active on Instagram and Facebook. So on uh, Facebook, it's just Samuel Knickerbocker. And then on Instagram, it's Sam Knickerbocker. And Sam, at, like at Sam.Knickerbocker, whatever that is. But, um, and then my website is uh, SamKnickerbocker.com. And on that website, you can go view a webinar that I've done, um, just called the Legacy Blueprint webinar, teaching people how to start building their legacy blueprint. And then you can get access to my book. If you want the free version of my book, then you can just go download it on my website. All I ask is for your email and your name. So if, if you want that, great. If you want to go buy it on Amazon, you can do that as well. It's like six bucks and I think it's three bucks on Kindle. So um, affordable for sure, but life-changing the same. Awesome, man. Thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem.